Hey, what's up, everybody? We've got uh, we got Ryan Fox with us today. Um, what are we talking about? We're talking about demand. We're seeing core get uh, demand go down. We've seen paperboard demand go down. And Ryan is our good buddy who happens to be with. Um, you're a Bloomberg analyst, so uh, just give us like a quick rundown of what we're going to talk about today, and then uh, we'll we'll get to it. Well, yeah. So um, corrugated packaging is widely thought of maybe maybe Corey knows this or not but uh, many people think that corrugated packaging is a leading indicator of the economy so um with so many consumer goods packaged in uh corrugated packaging to ship across the world uh it's something that a lot of people keep up with to track and see you know what's happening so we've been following it uh for the last couple of years now and we have some pretty cool metrics i'd love really wanted to be able to show you some cool charts that we put together, but we won't be able to do that this morning. Uh, but we can at least talk about uh, what we're seeing out in the marketplace and and uh, what we think may happen here in the near future. Sounds good, man. So yeah, so today we're just going to go through like demand, uh, what's happening in terms of just supply, how that's going to impact the rest of the industry and other, you know, possibly some good opportunities that you can that you can find in this, uh, you know, find some silver, silver linings here. Um, right. So this morning we got uh, we got our buddy Corey Corey Connors hey. at Corrugated on the TikToks. Good morning. Um, what's up, buddy? And then we got uh, Ryan Fox, who uh, Bloomberg analyst. Um, feel so special, like you know, we got Bloomberg analyst. On here. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Mister Mister Ryan Fox, Mister. That's right. And then we got me, uh, Valio Matis from Packaging Unboxed and uh, IDPDirect.com. So what's, what's up, Corey? How's it going? Really good. Good. I uh, you're exactly right. Corrugated has long been a indicator for the economy, and I'll get people reaching out to me saying, "How are we doing? What's going on? Are sales up? Sales down? What's going on with corrugated?" And I think it's uh, it's an important indicator. It's not the only, of course, but uh, it's a kind of a precursor to what's happening. But I I feel like this this could easily uh, turn around with the demand for paper uh, corrugated packaging. Uh, as that sustainability initiatives continue to increase in the in the world of packaging. When so did your sorry, so, I'm so you're, sorry, I'm bullish. All right, so, yeah. So, so Corey's <laughs> like demand is down, but so, but sustainability conversations are up. So that means that paperboard yes. and core gets going to just like blow up. Is how you feel? Yeah. All right. Ryan, I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was just going to say when pop this bubble. <laughs> was there any was there any point in time in the last year where you definitely saw a shift in like orders were coming in slower than they were previously? Not for me personally. I, I believe our company has experienced that as a uh, you know five billion dollar packaging company. We've yeah. experienced his ebbs and flows of of demand um, in because we cover all segments of packaging, um, which is really important to know that we're not just we don't just do corrugated. We do all kinds of packaging, and uh, but we're we're seeing really strong numbers. Uh, it's exciting time in packaging. And uh, COVID was a real challenge for many things, but it spurred a lot of packaging sales. And uh, so we, we're, we appreciated that. And, uh, uh, you know, if there's one positive thing that happened, uh, you know, there, that was it, maybe. Uh, well, one of several, maybe. But uh, so, I, so on that note, we, uh, well, let's talk about what happened with th getting things pulled forward. 
Yeah. So before the pandemic, we the industry measures output in two different ways. They measure it in terms of tons. Um, so paper mills, like they, they just want to measure how many tons of paper they make. And then the other side is um, billions of square feet, uh, billions of square feet, how many boxes were shipped. And we don't have really a great way to measure the total <laughs> number of boxes. To say it's billions is right. probably, you know, is probably a very easy statement. Um, yeah. A very popular e-commerce platform had posted that they shipped like 4.75 billion packages last year. And wow. like 43% of them were in corrugated boxes. So we do know that the, the number, the sheer volume is very big. So before the pandemic, the billions of square feet shipped was like 393 billion. L lots and lots of material. The pandemic hits in 2020. It jumps from 393 up to 406. So a nice little jump. Yeah. Last, uh, let's see, 2021 went to 416. Again, more growth. All of this was really fueled by what well lockdown orders so people yep. couldn't yep. couldn't go do things and then the other thing the really big part of this was government stimulus people had a little bit of extra money and yep. what what did they do they went out and spent it and mm -hmm. they were spending things a lot online yeah so when it um when this year this last year came around the overall demand from the from the pandemic was still very, very strong. And if you are, are either a box producer or a box buyer, about a year ago, the lead time to get boxes was still very, very long. Yes. Like mm -hmm. four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. And pre-pandemic, Corey, I don't know what you were experiencing, but normally it was like five to seven business days. Yeah, two weeks max. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. Three if it was incredibly intricate and needed a lot of tooling and things like that. But yeah. It, so exactly. we saw on average, like better than four week lead times about a year ago. And so one way to measure demand is to see how much those lead times change over time. And so by June or July, it had fallen from over four weeks to hovering around two weeks. Yeah. And we started to see that really it was about mid-May when the, the the bigger economic situation turned, there were people that were going, hey, who turned off all the box orders? <laughs> <laughs> and if you think about it, if you were a brand and you were making things, your lead time to get boxes was four, six, eight weeks. Yeah. You know, in your opinion, Corey, what does that normal order cadence look like? I mean, a manufacturer puts in an order with you for boxes how do they how do they determine the right quantity yeah great question uh looking usually in a quarterly basis uh and with longer lead times people were ordering more so i think there's a lot of pent-up supply mm. uh which is mm -hmm. one factor that i think is uh is is lowering demand um at least for the time being but certainly long term uh, things seem to have settled down to uh back to pre-pandemic you know uh, demand so we saw we saw several brands that their ordering was okay we have we have the need for this many boxes whatever that number was and then they add on to it a safety stock in case they right. get a little bump and then they add on to it the lead time to get the next order and exactly. when the lead time hit like eight weeks now you went from a situation where they might be ordering 10,000 boxes to ordering a yeah. hundred thousand boxes. 
And, and they were doing this because they wanted to make sure they didn't run out and stock out and they weren't able to ship. Right. Well, yep. at some point in time, mid-year, that all came to a really interesting head where they put in these big orders to cover the long lead times, but then their orders stopped. Mm -hmm. And now they're sitting on 100,000 boxes, yep. but they don't have the demand. A, year, a year's worth of inventory, basically. They might have a year's worth of inventory, correct. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was a really fascinating time because there were there were producers out there that were faced with if you don't get me boxes soon, we're going to right. miss shipments. If if they were a food manufacturer, yep. the food spoils. Yeah, you know it doesn't end up on shelves. Wait, I think we saw things like that. You know, we people were saying, oh, there's supply chain problems. The shelves are empty. Right. Well, yeah. these were some of the things that were going on. Well, so we saw in the first half of last year that overall box demand was still pretty good. Yep. Largely. The second half of the year is when we really felt that the economy was turning and shipments started declining. We saw it in some of our metrics. Um, in July, we saw that overall box volume was down like 8%. It was a really big miss. Yep. And then, uh, you know, really wasn't too bad through most of the year. Um, December was really bad. November and December were really bad. November was down about seven and a half percent. December was down almost 12%. Yep. And so these are things that, you know, from an economic standpoint, you know, are people not ordering boxes because they don't have the orders or they, are they not ordering boxes because they're still sitting on this huge inventory from previously that, in the year that's a great question right there and it's that's a it. mix it's a mix of both mm -hmm. yeah, yeah the answer is yes <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> and for for companies like ours lanesburg aurora where we're uh in inventorying the product for our customers and delivering just in time we see that increase in in yeah. supply in our warehouses so are you the uh, are you the we're bank? all feeling that <laughs> so, so, no. so real quick, two questions. One, yeah. uh, Corey, are you the, are you the bank uh, in this instance where you know you're 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 paying up front for this product and then you're right. you're invoicing as it as it ships out? So then yes. that puts you in a position of you're almost upside down, right? There's been a lot of conversations of, hey, we can hold this for a little bit longer for you, uh, but Until, we're going to need to ask right. you to to pay for these supplies that you urgently needed six months ago. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I think those are, that's those across are tough conversations. Very 100%. tough, but understandable. Yeah. And especially for someone who's maybe importing. So then you've got another right. three months added to the process or possibly five, uh, which makes it even more confusing and difficult. And, you know, as that demand changes, uh, we have mm -hmm. to plan ahead and uh, we're asking constantly for forecasts, but, those forecasts are constantly changing. <laughs> yeah. Right now, yeah. asking anybody for an even a ninety-day <laughs> forecast is asking right. for a miracle because yeah. really, yeah. people really don't know. Yeah. So just yeah. real quick, um, just to just to kind of reset, um, everybody, anybody that's joining us today, you know, thank you so much for joining. I see we got uh, we got John, we got Fred, Ava. Uh, so we're gonna see here, Nick. Uh, you know, Seth. Thanks for joining us. And I think, like, you know, real quick, like what we're talking about is. We're seeing all these articles in terms of, you know, what's happening, what's happening out there, right? Cardboard is changing, you know, West Rock just missed their earnings. Uh, 
you know, they're talking about like the different uh, stocks watch with this current downturn, you know, cardboard demand is just plunging at rates that we haven't seen since the great recession. And, well, and, um, so let me, let me, let me talk about this wait, for a wait, second. Wait, <laughs> wait, before we get to it, cause I want to make sure that we all kind of, you know, are, are back to like where we're, where we're going with this. I think that the point that uh, Corey said earlier was it, it, you know, it feels all right. Cause we're going back to what it was before the pandemic. But I think there's like one thing that we're not covering and, you know, I'll, I'll let you kind of jump on that. Uh, I'll softball that one up to you, Ryan. Well, so what I was going to say there is what, mm-hmm. what we're experiencing right now is things coming back into balance. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the pandemic screwed everything up from a normal way of doing things. And, and so now, yes, things are in decline, but they're, it's not really as it's, I don't want to say it's not as it's it's equalized, and I don't yeah. want people to think, oh, it's so bad. Yes, it, volume is coming down, yeah. but if you if we reframe it and we look at okay, well, pre-pandemic, what were volumes like, and where are we going now? Mm. We are going to likely be at a 2019 volume level, or maybe even a little bit higher. And if and if, if we can keep that a little bit higher, I think that's a huge win, given where we are right now in the the economy. But also just from a finding balance again. Yeah, the one thing that we're that we are we're not talking about yet is uh, when we had you on last quarter was the amount of equipment that was coming online to be able to produce. Right. I think we were like to increase okay. production. I think it was like ten percent or something like that. So, um, all of the stuff that was supposed to come on in the fourth quarter of last year got pushed to this year. Um, the industry took about 2 million tons of market-related downtime in the second half of last year. Well, all of the new mill capacity is about 2.5 million tons for this year. So while we're taking downtime and reducing how much paper they're putting out, they're now adding that same amount back in almost, if not a little bit more. So it's a it's a very strange dynamic, and it's happening not just in the U.S. but all over the world. And it seems like supply is changing, so that's something we need to look at. We're not just talking about brown boxes here; we're talking about digital printing of corrugated, yeah. and and that massive shift in the market, uh, and the, just paperboard as well. Oh, hundred yeah. percent, absolutely. Well, be it right or be it wrong. You know, I know this is this is like sustainability <laughs> is is often like religion. You know, you get some people that are on this side and some people are on that side. And if you're Very team true. plastics, you're this, and your team paper, you're that. <laughs> so be it right or be it wrong, paper packaging is definitely riding uh, what they say in the economic world the tailwind of sustainability. Like in yeah. the in the eyes of consumers, paper based packaging is seen as a better alternative. Um, and I think it's it's largely in, in part due, you know, like the, the paper trades have done a very great job helping people understand that paper is highly recyclable and mm-hmm. highly recycled. Like it is actually something that gets processed and turned into new paper. Yeah. I mean, mills, mills in 2021 consumed like 25 million tons of recycled paper. So. And we talked about those rates on when I interviewed you on my podcast, mm-hmm. and there were people saying things like 86%, 90 plus percent, and you brought us back to reality. 
Well, what, so what's like the nine, of like, I think it was like nine well, percent is what the reality. Was. No, 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 it's not that low. But, but we have so a recycling. Wait, wait, wait no. Is, it, when we when we spoke very, about it last last quarter, it was yeah, consumer like me, you know, you people listening, like our rates. I think were you know made up about nine percent of the total volume, of and then the it was like volume. the big box yeah. doors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So a rate is just a comparison of one number to another number, right? And so if we compare those two numbers, but we don't understand what those numbers represent, then you can make it be whatever it's going to be. And under the current rate, the way that we calculate it, it is one, it's 100% possible for us to have a banner year and for the recycling rate to be 106%. <laughs> <laughs> and people go, wait, 106% of boxes get recycled? Uh, we'll see, this is where we, we misunderstand that, that what that rate means. And really, there's a difference between what a recycling rate is for you know, economic purposes and what percentage of boxes are actually being recycled. Mm -hmm. that, these are two different things. So, so yes, I don't know what the new one for 2022 is. Um, it, it could be... I mean, it could be anything. Uh, square footage, yeah, 400, 400 billion square feet. It came down quite a bit from 2021. It was, uh, uh, let's see, down 3. about 3.9% year-over-year reduction in, in footage. And uh, I think the important question here is, how many BMCs have you collected, Ryan? It's a lot. <laughs> and it's and it's really funny because there are so many people I know from LinkedIn and and you know people reach out to me through there and and I if I'm out and about I will shoot them a picture of a box from their plant. <laughs> so I was I was out with my wife a couple of weeks ago and I saw a box and I was like, "Oh my gosh." And I snap a picture and I send it to the guy. I'm like, "It's your plant." And he's like, "Oh, that is so cool." And I, you know, so I'm I'm several hundred in at this point. Nice, but don't have them all. We got to come up with a all creative right. way to to display all those for you. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. So then, so box demand is down. Paper, paperboard, uh, cardboard demand is down. Paperboard demand is down. Um, so what happens next, right? You know, po you know, possible production capacity is up. You know, it's impossible because if they don't turn the machines on, then it's not possible, right? But um, you know, the the potential is there. Well, what do you know about so, like what do you know about paper machine like paper mills and and how they typically work? Do you guys have not enough for sure? Yeah. So, uh, broadly speaking, they don't like to turn them off. <laughs> right. <laughs> Imagine that. It, it costs a lot and, of money. Yeah, for sure. And so, when you can't have a shipment uh, domestically in the U.S., your next feasible option is to mm -hmm. export it. And those are in decline as well because globally, more and more people right. have added capacity. And so now everybody's fighting over the same business. Um, the next option would be to change production from one paper commodity to another paper commodity. Mm -hmm. uh, people are trying to get creative on how to keep their mills running and, yeah. and keep making products. So basically and, making something that's not paperboard or corrugate with the machines that they have. Um, in, in some cases, they can do that. <laughs> You know, so in some cases, you could uh, you could swing the production from uh, container board into uh, craft, like the bag material, like if you're buying mm -hmm. a, a paper bag, 
or you can make uh, what they call fluff pulp or mm -hmm. market pulp or there's there are a number of different options um but they're not all very good options at the moment like the the globally there is just a, a global yeah. oversupply and what do you Dude, know that's about crazy. basic Basically well, economics, well, you know. Well, it's well, it's crazy because all of a sudden, now that you say it, I've seen a ton of this like fluff pulp coming online as the new product. You know, and I'm like, I've never seen this before, but now I'm seeing it from like, ten different companies. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, now that makes sense, right? It's like they're looking for a way to keep production going and deliver uh, more products. So let's see, Carrie comes in with. Uh, can you discuss changes in brand buying behaviors because of this contracting environment, contracting environment? What do you think? I, Corey? Think, they're, I think they're tentative. Carrie, I think that's, they're, they're nervous. Um, they don't want to uh, mm -hmm. put a bunch of cash into the, into their supply. Um, but they still want to hold their place as, as a uh, top priority for a packaging company. So it's a, it's an interesting dilemma or dynamic that's building and I think we're going to see a lot of people that are sitting on a lot of inventory for maybe yep. uh, another Next year, year. Or, or more. Yeah. 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 So that, and, that's how I then, see it changing as well Is you know, at this point, it's not necessarily that things are changing. It's that people have overbought yeah. and consumers aren't purchasing. So you're, you don't have a choice, but to slow down your, your, your purchasing. So now, so from a buyer habit, you have several different potential outcomes. One, do you get back and order what you normally did before this thing's got out of whack? Yeah. That's certainly an option. Could you know what that unit cost was and you feel good about that mm -hmm. unit cost? Or do you say, well, there's some uncertainty here. I'm gonna rein in that, that purchase volume, that inventory, and we're gonna choose to buy a smaller volume in the meantime, because we don't know what's gonna happen. We don't wanna tie up a ton of money in corrugated box inventory if we don't know what's coming right. so do you go from buying ten thousand boxes down to 500 boxes because you just don't know yeah. uh, these are decisions that people have to make and they have to make them for their own company and we have definitely seen historically that um people tend to buy smaller and mm -hmm. and, and make make that that decision you know they'll even uh, absorbing that cost delta because it's right, it's, right. it's going to be a little bit more expensive, right? Right. It might be a little bit more expensive, but in the in the grand scheme of things, now you're not inventorying something for a year yeah, in the face of uncertain demand. Cost. Right. Right. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. and now, like with with um, you know, the interest rates going up and up and up, all of these things have a much higher cost of capital than they ever did. So some of these decisions are, you know, they're not easy. And, and again, so many people are, are in this position to say, do, do we try to lower our costs and how do we do that? Or do we take less inventory? And, and obviously like Corey, you're, you're still in sales. Like this is, this is when you get to shine. This is a golden opportunity for any packaging professional to come in, offer real value to show, okay, we're, right. we're not just, we're not just going to you know, do the same old thing that everybody else is doing, but we're going to bring real value to you and, and show you how you can save real money. Creative solutions. And there yes. are many. <laughs> yeah. So on the, so on the flip side of this, right. As there's more product being warehoused, there's more 
uh, space being taken up, uh, you know, on a warehouse floor. What's that doing to warehouse warehousing prices as demand continues to go up? I would assume that that's that's going to increase as well. Definitely, I would I would assume so Have we too. Seen this? I I have not been following it that closely. Um, mm -hmm. What I have been following is when people talk to me about what they are warehousing and mm -hmm. and how they're trying to draw those inventories down and reduce that overall cost. Because it the warehouse space is one thing, the holding like the holding those um, the, the goods in the in the warehouse is another thing. Because you it could be depending on the size of the company. I mean, Corey's yeah. at, at your company. That's a, that's a big company. You got to think a, a skid of stretch film, a skid of tape, a skid of fill in the blank. It's it could be thousands of dollars times every one of those little bays in the rack. Uh, so right. you could be talking a million dollars or more. And then yeah. you got multiple facilities. I mean, God forbid you're in a bigger company that's got multiple sites. I mean, they could be facing hundreds right. of millions of dollars in, in inventory. Who knows? <laughs> yes. Uh, unprecedented times for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. A unique yeah. time. Um, and I think the, the, the cream will rise as always and the people that that can really figure out solutions and come up with good alternatives uh, will, will continue yep. to be successful. Yeah, I'd say like, uh, you know, one thing that I learned while we were in while we were in Paris was in Europe, like recycled material, like post consumer waste is something different than what we expect what we consider here. So like we were talking about you know, last quarter was here in the U.S. Post-consumer waste included big box store packaging, and you know, because they were the they were the end consumer. But in Europe, that's not the case. In in Europe, it's the consumer is the consumer, like us, okay. right? The the right. Per, the final person, not a corporation. And um, they were having a hard time being able to fill orders of post-consumer waste paper. This was from the paper mills because there just wasn't enough. There wasn't enough, you know, white paper, office paper that can be turned into colored paper. Yeah, there's a ton that's like, you know, the the garbage paper that can be turned into like brown craft uh, or, or other. Something. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that can get then, you know, downgraded, but not for like the luxury, not luxury paper mills. Yes. Um, and then just talking to them and I was like, well, in the US, that's a little bit different. All of a sudden for them, it was like, wow, I guess maybe we need to focus on the US market because we can't fill orders here within the regulations. Um, which I don't know, that kind of leads to we're seeing a lot of regulations in Europe that are changing. And it's, you know, whether it's like from plastics uh, being unavailable, you know, you can't import any, anything with plastic in Europe to all of a sudden it's impacting the US and being able to export. And I saw that the UK was being hit really hard with being able to export from UK into like into France because of these yep. regulations. And it's, I don't know. It, it takes us completely away from this conversation, but just like as you kind of like look out, there's so many things happening in packaging that you can't just focus on your little business and your clients. It's like things are are changing all over the place, and and um, you really have to be aware. It seems like the ex the onset here of extended producer responsibility mm -hmm. laws, uh, which are taking place faster in Europe than they are here. Um, are changing things dramatically and quickly. Uh, you know, for example, in, in Europe, the recycling rates for glass are almost 79%. That's, a, that's amazing. Here it's about 
<laughs> that's uh, you know in, in the U.S. and and of course these laws will change that uh, and make those rates higher. That's the intention, and I think it's they've proven that it's working over there for for some of that materials. Um, but I think we'll see a lot more of that as we as we go on. You're going to see dozens of states in the U.S. Uh, with these new laws, and people are going to be scrambling to recycle faster and more. Yeah. Well, so the only wrap thing, up, Ryan, say, the only yeah. thing EPR hasn't done yet is they haven't figured out how to make sure that residents do better from our side. They've yeah. figured out how to pay for it, but we haven't figured out how to <laughs> how to implement how to improve yeah. it. implementation. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Very true. So as we wrap as we wrap up, Ryan, what um, what's the silver lining here? Right. Demand is down. Production's up. Costs are coming down. Stuff's going crazy. Right. <laughs> what, what's the silver lining, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, the silver lining is um, I think right now um, it's an incredible time to innovate. So mm -hmm. don't don't just look for the incremental savings from, you know, okay, the cost of paper went down, but think about all of the different ways that you can improve the process from start to finish. Um, I was talking with a brand last week and just going over the, the difference between a C flute to B flute and the advantage in right. how you fill a truck mm -hmm. and the fewer touches and the, yep. you know, simple things like that. And, and the buyer's like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Right. And so, so then depending on the size of the box and all of those little things, if it's C flute now, can you go to B flute? If B flute works, could you go to D flute? If yeah. D works, can you go to E? Like, yeah. right. and there are so many things because if let's just say you're buying a truckload of boxes and it's 25,000 boxes per truckload and you switch it from C to B, well, now you went from 25,000 a truckload to 35,000 a truckload or something like that. Yes. Well, the 35,000 price might be better than the 25,000 price. Yeah. And, Amazing innovation. Yeah. And so yeah. then you got the incremental savings because it's fewer trucks. So if it was one truckload a week at 25,000 and you went to 35,000, now it's one truckload every other or you know, every 10 days or every 11 days mm -hmm. or wherever it is. So it's at the end of the year, how many fewer trucks did you receive? Yeah, like 20% less. Yeah. Well, massive change, massive yeah. savings. Yeah, forklift but, driver time, natural yeah. gas, you know, the propane and the forklifts and the, it just, it cascades down yeah. through the entire value chain. One truckload of corrugated slip sheets, which are commonly put on the bottom of a pallet, 48 by 40, is equal to two pallets of chipboard slip sheets. Hmm. And those, those chipboard slip sheets can do the job even better. So fascinating changes. Imagine that savings of space and money yeah yeah so you heard it here first guys is uh <laughs> at corrugated so don't buy corrugated slip sheets <laughs> uh, <laughs> i never said it. i never sheets. said <laughs> you didn't say that i would never say that no but look at your options no. and and That's work right. with your Man. your reps and your vendors and their vendors to to figure out new ideas and concepts uh, no that's great man i think um you said you said it right ryan it, it's yeah, things things aren't looking great, but that's the, the best time to innovate, right? And and innovation isn't trying to rethink the entire system. It's just looking at what you know you're really delivering and how to maximize those. You know, prices are coming down. They they don't have a choice but to come down. 
um, you know, just get smart and 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 take a look on it to make you know set 2023 up to make 2024 uh, an even better year in, in the industry. Yes. So, well uh, you know, really appreciate you coming on here and sharing this information um, as if anybody's interested in learning more, they can find you on LinkedIn. They can also sign up to your, um, to the Bloomberg program. What's that one? Can you give us the, the, the URL? On I'll that? Have to, yeah. I'll have to drop it in the comments. Oh man. Oh, come yeah. on. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks yeah. Ryan. I, Appreciate My pleasure, it. Yeah. guys. Dude, it, it's awesome. And, you know, we'd love to, you know, we're excited to have you on uh, quarterly just as things change in the industry. Cause I think, yeah. you know, we learned so much from these, from these episodes with you, Matt. So, Ryan, yeah, I, I because- really appreciate you being on here. My pleasure. And, you know, at some point I'd, I'd like to fire back and go, okay, Valio, like <laughs> as a designer, how are you designing yeah. in, in light of this new kind of changing economy? Mm-hmm. How are you, how are you approaching design? and design for innovation and design for sustainability. Mm-hmm. How are you approaching design in this context? And maybe we can yeah. do that another time. All right. Well, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you the quick, I'll give you the quick one off, man, in terms of uh, what we're doing for creative at the moment, everybody's uh, over inventoried. So how can we utilize the packaging that they have in other areas, right? Where maybe product, you know, some of the packaging isn't meant for product packaging. Can we develop, you know, low cost inserts that can then be, you know, repurpose that packaging for product. Um, are there other ways that we can use this packaging, whether in display, um, you know, in, in just other areas of, of retail, you know, to be able to move some of this product, but not just move it off the shelf um, for the sake of moving it. But it's like, okay, can this, repl- can what we have replace something that we typically buy in another area of the business? Um, so a lot of it's like, what can we do with what we have at the moment versus coming up with something new, right? It's getting that pull through is, is the big, is the big push from a creative standpoint. And again, it goes back to like those innovative, innovative solutions. Um, so I think that that's kind of changing. I think, you know, at the moment it's like, how do we get rid of everything we have yeah. uh, in a smart, effective way um, versus creating more, which, you know, if you're on the pack, if, you know, as a, as a manufacturer, that doesn't sound great because it's like, well, I'm not making the bigger product, but it's like, okay, well, at least I can get rid of, you know, I can make some of the smaller things that will help move the bigger product and get us back into the cycle faster. So that's, that's, those are the big changes, man. Thanks for asking. I appreciate it. So anybody, thank you so much for, for everybody out there. Thanks so much for joining us. Any questions, throw them in the comments. We'll be checking and, and answering. Um, right. Really appreciate all these conversations we have. Corey, yeah, my pleasure. See you, buddy. We'll see you in uh, see Anaheim. Westpac, Wednesday. That's right, this Thursday. week. See you all down Sounds at Westpac in, in Anaheim, California. See ya. Thanks for having <laughs> me, guys. Good, guys. Thanks. What's going on? <laughs>